How do you do, neighbor? It's Bree and Spirits time once again. The boys have gathered around, and they're ready for you. So join in, make comments, and study with the guys as they try to study as the Bereans did in Acts chapter 17. Now, here's the guys. Happy New Year, and welcome back to this first edition for 2024 of Berean Spirits. Man, it's going to get hard. It can be hard getting used to saying 2024. <laughs> My name is Chris Peltz. I'm the evangelist with the Southside Church of Christ here in Springfield, Missouri. We've got Richard Dodson with the Kearney Church of Christ up in Kearney, Missouri. Richard, you doing hey, all right? I am fantastic. Another year older and Closer to death, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, but I, uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we can uh, continue this work. Absolutely, and, yeah. And it's been a, it's been a good one. So here we go into another, another year. So that's right, that's right. Yeah. And many of you may notice we are missing one of our fellow brethren, Mister Josh Thornhill. He. Uh, Unable to join us today, but uh, Lord willing, he'll be back at it and with us beginning next week. Uh, certainly miss him and uh, uh, looking forward to having him back with us next week. And uh, you know, we'll we'll see how we'll see how things go for him. He uh, he's having trouble talking, and uh, you know, I guess all of his wisdom has been removed. I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, next week when he joins us yeah he's having he had some dental work done yeah maybe all right he'll be all right maybe it'll make him look better i don't know we'll see um so we're actually going to talk about something that i i think we need to be kind of careful and we need to define terms you know one of the things that Anytime you look at or you watch, listen to, read about a debate, one of the first things in any really good debate that takes place is a defining of terms. And that seems to be an issue oftentimes when we have discussions with you know those in the religious world and sometimes even our own brethren where we use the same terms, but we have different meanings, different understandings for those particular terms. And just as an example, um, you know, just in society as a whole, really, uh, you know, they're trying to redefine what marriage is, right? And so we can talk about marriage uh, in one context, and yet in the world around us, they're they're looking at marriage as something else completely. Well, in the religious world, especially among brethren, there have been a couple of terms that have, I think, changed over time and and I want to kind of define or you know make sure people understand how we're using these terms. First of all, there's conservative and liberal. And when I first obeyed the gospel and was first learning and studying the you know the the differences um, or the you know the scriptures and some of the differences between various congregations of the Lord's people, and some of the work that they were doing, what they considered to be authorized or not authorized, there were generally two camps, right? There were the conservative and there was the liberal groups. 
And ultimately what that meant was there were those who were considered non-institutional, who did not believe in using institutions, supporting institutions. They didn't believe in a uh, the sponsoring church arrangement. And then there were the institutional churches that either you know, sit money or supported, you know, various organizations to do some of the work that the church was doing or a sponsoring church arrangement. And what has happened over the years is there's been some, I think, uh, blurring of the lines when it comes to what is conservative and what would be considered liberal. And here's what I mean by that. There are non-institutional churches that are more liberal than some of the institutional churches. Um, and, and and so the, the terms conservative and liberal are terms that aren't used the same way and should not be used the same way that they were used, let's say, back in the 60s and 70s, uh, you know, several years ago. Um, and and it, it's created some confusion. But the idea that we're really going to talk about today is this term too conservative and what exactly that means and, and, and how it is used in a lot of the speech that brethren are using today because it can be misleading and really convey a false idea altogether. And I think it is very telling. Those who use that term, either they use it uh, ignorantly, not truly understanding um, some of the 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 uh, uh, implications of that term, or they themselves are extremely liberal in their approach to scriptures, and uh, and they don't like what we would refer to as sound teaching and sound doctrine, and so. That's why I think we've we've kind of titled the show today, you know, sound versus too conservative, uh, to kind of get an understanding of what we're talking about, what people generally mean when they use that term too conservative, and how that should really send up red flags. That should be something that should cause us to step back and really think about, you know, is this person have a true understanding of what the scriptures teach and authority from the scriptures, or are they simply wanting to, um, you know, uh, bring in some unauthorized actions and teachings uh, that are just wrong and false, uh, you know, it, and would be considered extremely liberal. Um, and so that's what we're really kind of what our approach is going to be today. And so Richard, you know, first of all, understanding sound. What when we talk about sound, I know there are passages that use that term 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 10 um talks about sound doctrine. You know, what what are we talking about when we talk about something that is sound? Uh pure. You know, it's 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 what it's supposed to be. It's it's doing exactly it's functioning and how it's supposed to be a, a person goes to the doctor and the doctor says, your body's sound. You know, you go, you take your car to a mechanic and your mechanic says your car engine is sound. And so when we're talking about sound doctrine, we're talking about that doctrine that is pure, that, that, which is what it is. And, um, 
Titus 2.1 says, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Uh, you know, that's, that's what, that's what it is. Now, are there other doctrines out there? Yes. I mean, that's why he specified sound doctrine. Um, you know, but, but, uh, Paul made very clear in Galatians that there was no other gospel, even though there were people teaching as such. Um, but we have to recognize that which has been revealed, which Paul really emphasized in first Corinthians two, where he got it. You know, it was the spirit who searched the mind of God. It was the spirit who revealed this truth to the apostles of which Paul says that's what he preaches. And so it comes from the mind of God. If it comes from the mind of God, it must be sound. And that's what needs to be taught. And that's what it really needs to be called. Uh, we need to stick with what uh, uh, the gospel is referred to as, and that is being sound. Nowhere in the scripture does the gospel, is the gospel even re referenced as being too conservative. You know, it's just sound. That's all it is. And so that's what Christians need to stick with. That's what Christians need to look for. Is this the same doctrine that Paul instructed us to teach, that Paul instructed us to obey? You know, in Titus 2.1, if you go to the next verse, it talks about the aged men. And, and they were supposed to be of sound doctrine. Uh, and so, yes, this is the type of teachings we need to look for. And this is what we need to refer to it as and, and not anything else. Because, Chris, I feel, I feel, I fear, I don't even fear, I know. Those who start labeling doctrine as being too conservative or whatnot that's like a Trojan horse. You know, they're trying to bring something in in disguise. And so if they label someone or something as too conservative, you know, they're trying to say, well, we don't want to say it's false. We're just trying to say, you know, we can still fellowship it. It's just on the far end of the spectrum. Uh, that, that boy, you're right. That should raise all kind of red flags because whether it's it's you or me or whoever's going to church with us, um, we all should be standing united behind sound doctrine. Absolutely. I mean that that should be something that we desire and that we want, right? We we want because we want to do what is right. We want to do that which is is uh, according to the scriptures that glorifies God. And too often, you know, we start getting into, you know, things that we desire and that we want. And when when the scriptures go against those things, that's when that starts to happen, right? We could, and there's all kinds of subjects that we could talk about, whether it is, you know, sometimes um, instruments of uh, of music, right? There, That's been looked at in those, you know, as congregations as we are that do not use instruments of music. Are looked at by, um, let's say the the Christian church denomination uh, as being too conservative, right? I mean that that would be something that they might use to describe, uh, you know, ch churches of Christ that do not have instruments of music. 
And then there are those with the role of women, right? The the role of women that uh, God is very specific on, but He has laid out, you know, the the, uh, the the role of wives and husbands, the role of women when it comes to the work of the church. You got He's made that very clear. And when we want to follow what God has set forth, there are those that would say, "Well, that's just too conservative," and, and in essence. What they're saying, exactly what they're saying is, we don't like what God has said, and so we want to place this label to kind of prejudice people against the truth and try to introduce and bring in uh, false teaching and commandments of men. Jesus talked about that in Matthew chapter 15 and Mark chapter 7 when he says, "'Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites?' You honor me with your mouth, but your heart is far from me, and in vain you worship teaching as doctrine the commandments of men, right? So it wasn't sound doctrine that we've pointed out from Titus and from 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, right? Sound doctrine according to the glorious gospel, as Paul pointed out to Timothy, you know, they, they want to get rid of that, and they want to prejudice people against the truth. And so they come up with these phrases, these terms, such as too conservative, uh, to point out that they don't like those who adhere to the scriptures as God has set forth, and they want to do their own thing. They want to introduce you know, uh, other practices and other doctrines and other teachings and, and ignore or set aside completely uh, the 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 gospel of Christ and the doctrine that is found within it, and, and they may specify. I mean, this is something you got to be really careful of, because they may say something like, "Well, they're, they're just too conservative on that issue." Well, then, okay, let's look at that issue then, and, and then they're going to come back. And this is something else I've heard that when you start discussing this, and they're they're rejecting sound doctrine, they'll say, well, that's just your opinion. And I have my opinion. Let's continue, you know, in fellowship basically is what they're, they're trying to say. No, wait a minute. This is, this is something here that has to be addressed because first of all, that person's already thinking you're too conservative, meaning what about his view? And then, and then secondly, he says, that's just your opinion. Well, how are we supposed to make the same judgments if we're not united on how we interpret the scriptures? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and if you go to, uh, we just studied this Sunday and, and uh, you know, there, there's context is everything. And we pointed that out in first Corinthians chapter four, you know, there's a means by which we're not to judge, but then almost the whole way through the, the rest of first Corinthians, He's telling the Corinthians to judge. <laughs> yeah. So there's a means by which we judge. There's a means by which we do not judge. But if you break it down, and I can't break down every everything, but what he's basically saying is that God has already judged. Your your job is to interpret the scriptures. In other words, go to it and obey it. That's all that the Lord expects of us to do. His judgment has already been made. We follow that judgment. And so, uh, like in, in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, for instance, the man who had his father's wife, 
They were not following the Lord's judgment. The judgment had been made about that. They weren't following that judgment, and they were rebuked because of that. And so we have to be able to go to the scriptures and to interpret them in such a way to where there's no such thing as saying, this is your opinion, this is my opinion. You know, we're going to have to work together to try to find out what the truth is so that we can be of the same judgment, because we can't have one looking at the other and saying, well, you're just too conservative or you're too liberal. Uh, you, you can't do that. There's just no room for that. It's either sound or it's false. That's it. And we have to strive to, to be sound. That's what we have to work toward. Now, <clears throat> Chris, it, it, this is hard. I'm not, I'm not anyone <laughs> to sit there and say that getting a, a church of the Lord's people to agree on what the Bible teaches, you know, that's not, that's not easy. And that's why we have to work at it. That's why it's important to go to church. That's why it's important to listen to the sermons. That's why it's important to take part in Bible class, you know, because we are all whittling at that problem, trying to become united in, in learning what the Lord is trying to teach us. And that should not surprise us that this is a hard thing. Chris, find someone in the Old Testament. You know, all these people of faith were told to, to do something that on itself just seems so monumental. But yet <laughs> they attacked it. They Noah was told to build an ark. And if you look at the dimensions of it, you'd sit back and you'd think, wow, this is, this is going to be hard and long. But yet he did it. You know, Moses was told to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Well, come on, you know, that's that looks like, you know, you're talking about going into Egypt and, I mean, come on. I mean, that's a monumental thing. And, and you can go, you know, point by point by point with people. The Lord gives them great works. And, and these people who are of faith, they realize the work belonged to God. It wasn't going to fail. Now, they may have failed, but the work wasn't going to fail. And so when we're talking about going to the scriptures, and I'm not trying to take up all the time here, but when, when we're talking about going to the scriptures and learning how to rightly divide them the same way, you know, is it going to be long? Is it going to be hard? Yes. Can it be accomplished? Yes, because it's the Lord's work. And all we're doing is obeying. Absolutely. And and the church at Corinth, I think, is a great example of that because you can we can break down that particular book. Chapter one, they had problems with division. Chapters two through four, they had problems with carnality. Chapter five, immorality. Chapter six, they were taking one another to court. Chapter seven, there was issues with marriage, divorce, and and remarriage. You know, you got chapter nine, which there is issues with supporting of preachers. Chapter 10, uh, there was um, oh, um, uh, issues with the old law. In chapter 11, you had issues with the Lord's Supper, as well as the head covering and, and, uh, and uh, local traditions or customs. And, you know, in chapters 12, 13, and 14, there was issues with miraculous spiritual gifts. 
they were even having struggles with the the idea of the resurrection in chapter 15. And so uh, throughout the book of 1 Corinthians, you have one problem after another. And, and and Paul didn't tell them, you know, just, you know, start other churches, go other places, or, um, you know, start labeling one another. In fact, he rebuked them for labeling one another and, and even themselves. And, and in, in, he gave them the tools that they needed to work through those problems and come to an understanding. Right. And and when there was a brother who was caught up in immorality, first Corinthians chapter five, there were things that needed to be done. If they were not adhering to sound doctrine, as he goes on in verses in first Corinthians five, verses nine through eleven, right? They they get caught up in sin, they they reject the truth, then there were uh, there was discipline that was to continue and, and take place in order to try and win them back, you know, not just label them as, you know, being you know, too conservative or divisive or, or, and then just say, but let's just all get along because we have different opinions. You know, he wrote that letter to them so that they could work out these things and come to the same understanding on all these issues, including, you know, when it comes to women, when it comes in their role in the church, when it came to miraculous spiritual gifts, when it came to marriage and divorce, all of these subjects that are so divisive today and people want to place these labels on one another. You know, Paul says, here is the will of God. You know, work through these things and don't just simply dismiss one another and, and, you know, and keep people from certain roles in the church that maybe they would be qualified, but you think, you know, because of opinions, uh, which oftentimes, you know, they're not opinion, as you pointed out, they want to dismiss scripture by saying, well, that's your opinion. This is my opinion. You know, we're not, we don't glorify God with our opinions. We glorify God by following his truth. And if someone wants to label opinion and say, this is going to be the basis of my religious practice, that's a problem. And, and that needs to be dealt with in a local church, no doubt. And I think it's important for us to remember also, all those issues you brought up in the book of 1 Corinthians Paul referenced those in chapter three as being the milk of the gospel. No, that's right. I mean, and that is sad commentary. And here's the deal. I mean, all those rebukes he gives in Second Corinthians, we see that they did repent. He was happy with them because they had made those corrections. And so, if it's possible for the church at Corinth. And, and, you know, if, if you study Corinth, you know what type of wicked society they lived in. They, you know, it wasn't uh, a, a town of good influence as far as uh, trying to live a scriptural life. They, they did not live in a good atmosphere, but yet they were able to put the milk of the gospel behind them and start looking toward the meat of the gospel. And, and so, but Chris, we get so caught up on the milk of the gospel where we start labeling one another. And I'm telling you, when you start labeling somebody, well, he's too conservative or he's too liberal. Well, I mean, what's the difference between what took place there and what took place in chapter one when they said, I am a Paul or I am a, Paul, you know, I am of a different person that, you know, they were making themselves, they were, they were separating <laughs> themselves from one another. 
And that's exactly what these labels do. They divide. Yeah. And, and you know, it, you, you cannot work with brethren when you are dividing yourself by looking at them saying, well, this is what, uh, this is what uh, you are and I'm this, you know, mm -hmm. you're liberal, I'm conservative. And so we're going to play politics to see who gets power in the church. Yeah. I mean, and, that's, and, that's just wrong. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And, and let's look at this from, from uh, two specific points, um, evangelists and elders, right? So let's say you have someone, you know, a preacher that is looking to go to a work and you have people that are saying, well, he, he's too conservative. What, what are you saying about that evangelist? What are you saying about that preacher who is preaching the gospel of Christ? You know, that idea of, of too conservative is an accusation, right? And I think that's where a lot of times we miss the point. That's an accusation of, uh, that is saying they're not sound, that they're not teaching the truth. Right. And and for someone, let's say, who wants to be an elder, who desires the work of an elder, and you look at the qualifications in First uh, Timothy chapter three, Titus chapter one. And, you know, if there's an accusation, well, they're too conservative. Right. What, what are you saying about they can't serve? What what accusation are you making that they what qualification do they not meet? Right, and if there's not a qualification you can point to that said they they do not you have this characteristic found in the scriptures that identify someone as being qualified to serve as an elder of a local church, then the you know this idea of too conservative is first of all a a false accusation often, and secondly it is it is still an accusation that should be dealt with. Right, because you're keeping someone from serving in a capacity that they may very well be qualified for, but because of that accusation, right, you're you're disqualifying them when perhaps the Lord does not disqualify them, and it hurts the church, it hurts local congregations, and it create it it, it is divisive, and and it's something that I think is extremely not only extremely dangerous. But those who do these things, again, whether it's out of ignorance and perhaps by listening to this program or someone else confronting them and talking to them, saying, you know, what exactly do you mean? How do you mean it? Define the terms and, and help them to understand the misuse of the term. Or you find out that they don't like God's word, God's will, and they want to throw out certain teachings of God, and then, you know, they need to be rebuked. They need to be uh, uh, approached, and they need to answer for their understanding and their teaching of God's Word, because if they're going to accuse someone of being too conservative, th it's got to be on a certain subject. What is that subject? And so what do they believe, and what are they teaching on that subject? You know, and, and how is that going to help or is it going to hurt the congregation? Because they can't both be right. And that's something also um, that I think is important to point out. Yeah, I, I really like how you pointed. You, you, you made it very clear that when someone approaches you and says they're too conservative, you need to ask them immediately to define that. Mm. 
and they need to be willing to do it. And if they're not willing to do so, then there's a problem. Uh, because if, if, when they're saying this is, this is what we got to understand when they're saying they're too conservative, they're saying they're not like me. Well, then why not? I mean, if they're not like you, then where's the problem? And let's start working on the problem. Let's just don't, you know, divide. Let's work on the problem. Now, yeah. division may be the end result, but it'll be based upon uh, someone's choosing to disobey God, uh, not not the other way around. Yeah, and, and so that that's my biggest fear is when you know you were talking about uh, those who hinder the truth by trying to stop people from serving the Lord in some capacity uh, through throwing out these labels, uh, that's that you're exactly right. And it's, it is, you know, you're trying to stop God when you're, when you're throwing away these, these kind of labels and you're not going to succeed. Uh, you're, you, you're going to give an account. And so that's why you got to be really careful about that. If you, if you do not love the truth, if you don't agree with what the truth is, if you think the truth is just too conservative for you, then what is your goal? Mm -hmm. Don't hide behind it. Just tell everybody. And I realize, you know, the Bible makes it very clear that false teachers don't do that. They, they, don't, they don't come in wearing the white T-shirt with the big black letters that says Grievous Wolf on there. And, you know, they disguise themselves. And uh, unfortunately, Many times when people are using these terms, uh, they are revealing that they are disguised and, and the Trojan horse that I brought up earlier. And so mm -hmm. that's what we need to be aware of. And, and you, you're right when you started the show by saying this is a very difficult topic to talk about uh, because it is very easy to be confused by some of the expressions that we're, we're using but make it very clear that what we are discussing, uh, we're saying that we need to describe one another as either being sound or not. That's it. And uh, if someone is, is being looked at to be a preacher, then uh, we need to ask if he's sound or not. And if he's uh, up to be an elder, we need to ask if he's sound or not. Uh, but when we start trying to dilute it by saying, well, you know, you know, he's not as conservative as I want him to be, or, you know, he's, he's a little loose on some things, you know, we got a problem, you know, let's, let's just stick with what the Bible says. You're either sound or you're not. And then let's work on that part. That's not sound. Yeah. Yep. And ultimately, it also reveals the division within a congregation. As you pointed out, uh, you know, you've got 2 Peter chapter 2, you've got Jude verse 4. It tells us that these grievous wolves, these false teachers, they come in unannounced, right? And they try to creep in unnoticed and disrupt the congregation. And these are some terms that are going to be used that uh, are going to reveal them. To local works, 
And and you've got you've got to take notice when this, these terms are used. And and I think Richard, another term, and there's probably some out there listening that are thinking, well, you know, that maybe they mean Pharisaical, right? You're being a, a Pharisee. And there's some false ideas and notions that I, I think we could probably point out because I think it fits with the idea of being a Pharisee. Because Jesus never rebuked the Pharisees for being conservative. No, no. Uh, you know, I, I go back to Matt, uh, Mark seven. You know, what did he say about them? In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctors the commandments of men. And uh, he said, "You lead the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men." And uh, he said, "You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition." And he gave an example of that uh, with the Corbin, you know, a, a man is supposed to take care of his uh, uh, elderly parents when they get older, but they set up a tradition. They called it Corbin where he could waive his responsibility in such a thing. And, and, you know, th that's not what God commanded. And so they were calling that good and God would call it evil. Yeah. And of course, Isaiah made that very clear. Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. Yeah, and and it's interesting, really. Those who would who would use the term too conservative, ultimately, are the ones who are being Pharisaical, right? Yeah. Because they're setting aside the truth for their opinion or their feelings or their likes or dislikes and what they want and what they think others should do rather than simply sticking with the word of God. Uh, and it, it, it's funny oftentimes how when, when accusations are made, uh, especially by false teachers and, and, and those who want to divide the church, the accusations uh, are, are made against someone uh, you know, really uh, accusing them of doing what the accusers are doing themselves. Uh, so, uh, it, it, again, it's one of those things that we've, we've got to take note when these terms are used. The idea of too conservative is a false idea. It, it's a false notion. It conveys a false idea and it, and it reveals the, either the, the ignorance of the use of the terms or the true heart of the one using the term, uh, in wanting to deny what the scriptures teach. Yes. I, I agree. <laughs> Any last thoughts, Richard? Uh, yeah. Uh, Chris Kramer just joined and we did address this. He goes, I just joined. I don't know if it was mentioned, but legalistic has been thrown around too. That's right. And, yes. Yeah. We, uh, yeah. we talked a little bit about that. I think that's a lot of times people have that meaning when they're talking about being like a Pharisee which is not what uh that's not what the pharisees were rebuked for no the, the pharisees were not sound <laughs> yeah <laughs> they wanted they wanted they wanted they put themselves like a lot of people do they they want to write they they want to be god and they want to write the word and you know the, a good christian is someone who understands that they are not god and that god already has his word and it's our job just to accept it and uh, obey it. Uh, and isn't that what Solomon said? Let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear yeah. God and keep his commandments. 
his commandments, not mine, his commandments. Yeah. And so, you know, I, uh, I fully respect anyone who tries to live their life in such a way to fear God and keep his commandments. I think that's a very commendable thing. Sure. And I, yeah. I'm not going to label them as being too conservative. That's, yeah. Yeah. Right. That's it, just, yeah. And I, and I think we've pointed out already, but I, I'm going to mention it again. Usually those terms are used and thrown out when on, on very specific uh, issues, right? The work of women, the role of women in the church or in the home, marriage and divorce and remarriage. Usually when people are throwing around various terms and things, you know, um, they, they've got an idea that they don't like what the scriptures teach about it and they want to redefine it. Uh, or the work of the church as a whole, and even worship, uh, um, when it comes to worship of the church, um, those are the, a few of the ideas that usually this term, you you can almost guarantee that it's one of those terms, one of those issues, one of those teachings that they don't like. There are others, I'm sure, but uh, I would say 90% of, of my experience would fall into one of those issues that they want to... Uh, they want to redefine and and uh, and and throw out what God has already stated on those subjects. And Chris goes on to say that uh, Chris Kramer, having worked in the court system for a few years, I grew to appreciate the need for legalism. You want to be judged justly, and your case is the book of life. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I think if you look at the Bible, there's plenty of, of situations where you can look at to where. Um, the Lord has examples of what people would call being legalist. Uh, one such thing is in Hebrews, when it made reference to Jesus could not serve as a priest, the law had to change. He could not serve as a priest because he came from the tribe of Judea. Yeah. And of course, the, the priests come from the tribe of Levi. And so the point being, of course, is that the, the law had to have changed because Jesus is a priest. And uh, so, I mean, that's a, that's a very legalistic argument that's being made in the book of Hebrews. And so that just goes to show you that uh, what Chris is saying, yes, I mean, that's <laughs> the Lord expects us to observe his ordinances. Yeah, absolutely. Well, folks, we hope we're giving you guys something to think about, some use of terms, how you talk, how you, uh, you know, the speech that is used. And when others are using these types of terms, um, you know, call them on it. Find out what they mean. What are they talking about? And what issue is it that they have a problem with? What issue are they? Is someone too conservative? What's the accusation that is being made? And is it a a proper and right accusation, or is it simply, um, you know, uh, trying to prejudice someone because they want to take the church in another direction away from God? Um, and, uh, and don't just let it slide. Don't just say, well, let's just agree to disagree and move on. Um, you know, don't let these types of accusations go without, uh, without being revealed. Um, because you say someone is too conservative on what, on what, what, what is it that needs to be studied and talked about and understood what needs to change, right? Because that, you know, apparently something needs to change if there's going to be that type of accusation that is made. So, uh, Richard, appreciate you uh, as always. Glad to be with you in the new year and looking forward to having Josh back with us as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, folks. Until his, oh, go ahead, man. Hope his teeth heal up. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he'll get better. Yeah. So he, he's he's got a big head right now because he's all swelled up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks. Thanks again, and until next week, remember to search the scriptures with Berean spirits. Well, folks, that's all for today. Don't worry. Lord willing, the guys will be back next week for another Bible study on Berean spirits. Until then, let the guys hear from you. Drop them some email at bereanspirits at gmail.com. They'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep studying that Bible. <laughs> <laughs>